Welcome to Inside the OC, a podcast about the world's largest participatory sporting event, the United States Bowling Congress Open Championships. Join Matt Cannizzaro and Aaron Smith as they talk to some of the greatest names in the history of the tournament. The Eagles are ready. Let's take flight. afternoon ladies and gentlemen welcome back to inside the oc my name is matt canizaro and looking forward to today's show once again we're going to be joined by two long timers at the open championships they've combined for nearly 120 years of experience on the tournament lanes and toppled more than 200,000 pins but first let me introduce my co-host for today's show the one and the only aaron smith hello matthew how are you doing today Iron, uh, things are things are pretty good here in uh, in my neck of the woods, and uh, as I said, looking forward to to hearing some war stories from two well traveled gentlemen. We had a chance to catch up there just a few minutes ago, and I think in just that ten minute conversation, you you already learned quite a bit. I certainly did. So I am definitely uh, going to sit back and relax and really enjoy the show and uh, some of the stories these two gentlemen had to share with us uh, over the course course of their open championships careers. So uh, it should be very informative, should be fun, should be a lot of great stories. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, well, we always aim for an hour for the Inside the OC podcast, uh, but the stories and the guests are too good, and we always go uh, a little bit longer. So I, I would expect nothing less today. Looking forward to that. Uh, and, of course, we have uh, had some news from yesterday we're going to talk about as well. Uh, about the fate of the 2020 Open Championships, uh, what a decision really that impacts both gentlemen uh, as they move on in their careers and, and chase down some pretty significant records. Uh, but first, um, we know we're going to introduce here in just a minute Jamie Brooks, who celebrated 60 years last year in Las Vegas. Uh, he is just a few hundred pins away from the 100,000-pin mark. Uh, and then we'll be joined in the second half of the show by Mike Schmidt, who reached that 100,000 mark last year in Las Vegas as well. Uh, he is now chasing the 60-year number. So uh, an opportunity, uh, as these gentlemen cross paths halfway through the show, uh, maybe to offer some advice and uh, and some uh, some thoughts on their respective milestones. Uh, but uh, I've done enough talking so far. I know uh, everybody's waiting to hear from uh, from these two guys and, and a DFW sensation, a superstar uh, in our area, uh, more than 60 years in the bowling industry. Let's bring him in. Jamie Brooks. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. How are you today? We are doing well. How are you? That is an awesome painting behind you. Uh, you are uh, you are a bowling sensation and a, a, a historian, and you have uh, an awesome piece of artwork there. Yeah, that's Earl Anthony, man. Maybe one of the best ever, right? That's it, of course. And uh, Jamie Brooks, also one of the best ever, and uh, such a an impactful person here in the DFW area. Let's just get right to it. Um, first, thank you for uh, for joining us on today's show uh, in this uh, these crazy times here in 2020. Um, and that's where we generally start the show, just kind of catching up and seeing uh, what life has been like uh, for our guests in this time. Uh, you're at home with with your wife. Um, so let's hear about that and uh, and hear how things have been over the last few months before we get to the business side of your world. You bet. Uh, how good it's been to be in, in, my, in bowling for 65 years in business. 
and I run three uh, three uh, conventional bowling centers in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and our business is was in the conventional bowling center has been better than it ever has in the 65 years I've been doing it. I mean, unbelievably great leagues, great tournament, double shift in one place, almost full all the way through, and we had to close down. And it was unbelievably scary. What do you do with your employees? And we uh, we opted to pay our employees, and we did get to, after a while, got that PPP money, hmm. which really helped a lot. And, and it gave us, uh, we kept the people busy, we cleaned, and we worked on the machines and did things like that. And uh, by the time it started, they, when they opened Texas again, we were not included in the first wave because they were worried about our game rooms. So what we did is uh, we were very fortunate. The guy that led, the guy by the name of Mike Toomey that, that led Governor Abbott's uh, open the state back up, uh, used to work for us. So. Um, <laughs> We got open in a couple of weeks, and I was uh, really surprised that uh, what happened when we did that. What we did in my 48-lane place, we uh, decided it was opening on Friday. It was the 22nd of May, and uh, we decided uh, one morning past midnight is to run a, um, uh, a special, a, a grand opening special and uh, I charged thirty dollars for one lane and I used every other lane and we started one eight uh, one minute after midnight on Thursday night and we filled it oh, wow. from there uh, the next day we gave everybody uh, and the seniors free bowling uh, league bowlers and then uh, in the afternoon we gave the regular bowlers and we we ran till the next Thursday which is kind of open play and then we started the leagues back and I got, and 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 I'm in all three places. I was running maybe eighty-five percent, which is absolutely amazing. I, I could not believe how good we were doing with it. And uh, maybe twelve or thirteen days ago is when it, all these cases started happening in Texas again. Mm -hmm. It was coming back. Uh, you, we could see uh, it started. We we lost maybe a thousand dollars a day. And in, in, in Fort Worth and in Plano, and um, it basically was all league bowlers come practicing, and it was it it, it it was no kids, and we do kids bowl free, and no kids, uh, it was no families, it was all league bowlers, and I thank the good Lord that we uh, were in that business because. Uh, we would do about 85%. And so we've been under, now we're under mask. And I am so proud of my bowlers. They are, they're wearing them. And uh, they are bowling. And uh, and they, they're they the greatest. Boy, I'm so lucky to be friends with all of them. They're, they're part of our family. And uh, uh, we're, uh, we're scraping by. That's kind of where we are today. And I'm hoping, and we're all hoping and praying that we do not have to close it down again, because mm -hmm. I think it would be a terrible thing to have to do that. Well, now, one of those three centers is uh, is Plano Super Bowl, uh, which we're very familiar with. We feel like part of the family as well. Uh, aside from bowling there occasionally, uh, we, we've had some significant 
USBC and PWBA events there as well. Uh, so we appreciate all that you do for not only the local bowling community, but on the national stage as well. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We've spent in that, uh, in that building with the PWBA. Aaron has there, has been there as well. Uh, and, uh, we've actually bowled league at Cowtown too. So, um, mm -hmm. we, uh, we really do appreciate, uh, all, all that you do and all the work that you put into the centers. Um, and, uh, we're glad to see things getting better and, uh, hopefully on the upswing here. Um, but as we transition here, how are things been for you personally and, uh, just to stay safe and, and enjoying some, maybe doing some things that you don't usually get to do. Yeah. Wait, um, I went over and, and, and started bowling again, bought it after laying off for two and a half months. It was really hard to start. And uh, uh, we were, uh, uh, I've got a friend of mine I've known since 1954, and we were going over there bowling each other maybe three days a week and for a dollar. And uh, uh, all of a sudden, I found, uh, my wife, uh, we, we live in a small community of about 50 houses and they do every Tuesday night. They have a, uh, they study the Bible and they, um, she came home that night and she was uh, sick at her stomach and she had fever. So I took her over and she, she got tested and it took them eight days to get the test back. And we found out she was positive. So then uh -huh. I had to go get tested and uh, I got tested and we both got tested again. And it was two, I mean, it was like 12 days after she had, uh, she had it. Uh, and then they tested us and we got that back in about 48 hours and I was negative and she was positive. I don't understand that. Mm -hmm. We were in the house uh, with her. And so I have uh, quarantined, I haven't gone back to the bowl or anything. And we're going tomorrow to uh, get tested again. So uh, I have no symptoms. She had fever for two days and no symptoms. And she's not, she's 75 and I'm 85. And so we're in that vulnerable part. And uh, I'd say I'm pretty darn lucky. I guess maybe uh, God is keeping me here to get to 100,000 parents, huh? Well, we, we certainly hope so. And, and our best to uh, to the missus. We know we, we got to spend some time with, with her as well uh, in Las Vegas last year for your big milestone. I uh, look forward to seeing both of you again. So hopefully the recovery is quick and uh, uneventful. Uh, in that regard. Um, and great to hear that you're, you're out there practicing and I know you've really been looking forward uh, to this milestone since the last one. Um, so let, let's turn it back to 2019. Uh, you and I, we had talked back in 2008 for your 50th open championships. And, uh, and then again, of course, last year, number 60, you came into the event just over 1800 pins away from the hundred thousand. Uh, it would have taken a bit of a career year, uh, to get there last year, um, but uh, it gives you two opportunities at the spotlight. So uh, you, you got to celebrate 60. I guess first tell us about that. Uh, and, and there's a photo that's the uh, the 60 year money clip. Uh, hopefully that uh, is a treasure nearby uh, for you to enjoy and, and remember your time at the Open Championships. Uh, and then you shot 1479 for your all events total, and now 381 pins away uh, from the next big milestone in your career. Uh, definitely a, a tough, tough 381 pins. Uh, something that, again, you were practicing for, looking forward to coming up hopefully in the next few months. And we found out yesterday that the 2020 Open Championships has been canceled. Uh, so now you'll have to push that opportunity back until March. So just a few months, uh, but still 
uh, it has to be kind of a, a gut-wrenching feeling uh, and a, a very challenging situation for you as you look forward to the next one. Yeah, of course, I've, I've always looked forward to every year to do it. I mean, it's been uh, part of my DNA, I guess. Uh, uh, we've been able to, uh, when you win one, I, I won the doubles in 73, and that's what made me come back every year to watch. Uh, they used to put an eagle up there, and then, and then now they, they put a kind of a medal up there. But it, it's been, uh, it, it's okay. Uh, I want everybody to be safe, man. And I think it, uh, I'll be ready in, August, in, in March. All right. Well, looking back at those milestones, of course, uh, 50 years, just to put that in perspective, uh, it's a pretty short list given the history of the Open Championships. Of course, 60, even shorter. Uh, what do those milestones mean to you? You mentioned the Eagle kind of being the, the highlight and, and the reason that you came back to the event each year, 1973 doubles with Jim Payne. Uh, right. Pretty spectacular feeling, I'm sure. But uh, can you compare the win perhaps to you know the 50 and the 60 and, and describe what those mean to you? There's nothing like the win. So just think about it. Uh, I think there was 20-something thousand teams that bowled in it that year in the doubles. And uh, on the same pair, uh, Pete and Paul McCarty, that was their first event. That's right. They oh, wow. second, and we won. Mm -hmm. And um, and Ron Woolett won the, uh, from Louisville, won the uh, all events, and mm -hmm. he won the team. And we bowled right next to him on the team. And uh, Ron is the only one still left from that team. And um, it was, uh, it was uh, something to do. And, uh, and uh, I look back on it. It, it, it was hard, man. It was, it was hard to strike on it. And the last game, my partner shoots two 240s, and I think I had 190, 210, something like that. And, and I got eight in a row. And I don't know how I did that, but all of them were like 10. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and, and I shot 256 or something like that the last game. And uh, we sweated that out. We, we did that fairly early in it. And we sweated that out. And uh, we were going uh, every month to Mexico. And I was taking a bunch out of Texas. And we were helping uh, the Mexican bowlers start a PBA down there. So we, we went for like two or three years. And uh, I went down there with Bobby Cooper. And Bobby Cooper was leading the uh, all events. Uh, yeah, the all events for the... Uh, the other division, and uh, he called them uh, when uh, we drove down there, and he called them from Laredo and found out that we'd won, and that was man, that was something. But winning is better. I think that <laughs> stuff is, uh, you know, the good Lord leaves us here long enough to do it, and if he can, uh, every one of them was hard, and I can remember bowling in those places when they. And they built them in, in those uh, coliseums all around the country, and and it, they didn't have any air conditioning in them, and uh, the board, the boards would pop. And I remember you throw the ball down there, and it, it, it wiggle. And in uh, the first year they had the, uh, which I think I don't know what year that was. I think it was '61 when they had that other division, hmm. and we bowled with the Strohs team, Joe Joseph and that group. And uh, I shot 655, 655, you know, two times. And that was, 
I was in the record book. If you went back to that record book, I let it. So 22655 was the highest anybody shot in a team event that year. So, uh, but if you think, if you think about it, to get 100,000, all those guys that are ahead of me, a lot of them bowled all those years. I don't know how many years for that other division, but they bowled another three games. So if they shot 600 and you did it 10 years, that's six more thousand pounds. So uh, I, we only did it, I only did it maybe two years. And, and all it was was all the guys that are on the tour that went on the tour after that. And, and you couldn't you couldn't beat them. So uh, we've got another division. And, uh, you know, uh, I've got four top tens with a win. That's pretty good. A four, two eights. Now, now, for you, your career started in your backyard, right? Started here in Fort Worth in 1957. Uh, also, the yeah. first year of the automatic pin setter. So, uh, it's a, an interesting time, I think, in the, in the bowling world. But uh, what was it that attracted you to the OC? Was it because it was here uh, and it was uh, an opportunity? Or, or what was it? And you already mentioned the wind kept you coming back. But something kept you coming back from 1957 until that, uh, that lucky day. See, I, I, I opened my first bowl in 1955, and uh, I've had 43 of them since then. I, mean, oh, wow. around. I had 21 at one time, but when, when we we had a uh, we had a team, uh, and I was on I, I, I was lucky enough to be on a team. They call it the Syndicate from Houston, and uh, and we traveled. Uh, uh, to the state, the Southwest term was an absolutely great term at that time. It was scratch, and uh, they had, and 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 we bowled the city, the state, the Southwest, and, um, and and the nationals. And we would travel around and go bowling all the side events and all that, and everything you want in the regular tournaments. We put in a, a pool, and uh, it was on bowling on that team. Uh, it was maybe one or two thousand a year. We'd win. And that's maybe uh, like ten or twenty thousand today. So uh, it was like, and the guys who were our best friends that we travel with, and man, they could bowl, man. They, those guys could really bowl. I thought we had the best team in Texas. There was one in Dallas that was pretty good, but I thought we were better. Uh, well, now you've had an opportunity, of course, uh, as you mentioned in our, our pregame uh, conversation. Uh, all the people that you've you've gotten to meet along the way. Uh, all the the things you've accomplished in in bowling, really, uh, you know, with the Bowling Proprietors Association, uh, USBC Proprietor of the Year a decade ago in 2010. Uh, so a, a lifetime serving the sport, growing the sport. Uh, talk about that and what that means to you, uh, as far as your contributions, uh, you know, off the lanes, really, and, and what you've been able to do for other folks in their careers and their success. Well, I, I mean. Uh... I just think it, it's, I'm one of the ones that's in my blood, and I think the best people in the world are bowlers. I mean, they are great everywhere. And uh, we had, uh, we were able uh, to, uh, and it wasn't all me, but I, I think I spearheaded a bunch of it. We got together with the ABC and the WIBC and got to start working together a little bit. Uh, at one time, we were all at odds. We did that. And I was the one that did the short all thing. I thought that the rule that they had was uh, it was not a black and white rule. It was a great rule. And we got a black and white rule out of it. It took us a while to get there. Uh, I had fun doing the Olympics. 
Hmm? Uh, uh, Arnie Fogel and, uh, and Jerry, uh, Jerry became the uh, Koenig. Uh, he and I, mm -hmm. the three of us, got bowling in the Olympics in, in, in Korea. We got that done. Uh, we did Super Bowl on Saturday, and that was a, a big success that the whole industry did. I did that. And, um, and I went back to, uh, to uh, Barcelona the, uh, the, the next year after uh, the 88 Olympics in Seoul. And uh, I don't know how that's happened. It's kind of a fun story. Uh, um, I went with Arnie Fogel and, uh, and uh, who was the guy that took, uh, the, the guy that ran the ABC. Anyway, uh, he was my one of my best friends. Anyway, we went to Barcelona and, uh, and we all went in this room and I don't know how I wound up on the end table and in the, in the Barcelona uh, organizing committee chairman uh, told us uh, they would like to have bowling as an exhibition, not as a demonstration sport in the Olympics, uh, if we would uh, give them uh, $15 million to build a swimming pool. And hmm. the whole industry had, was, was behind this. It was Brunswick and, and it was uh, ABC, WIBC and BPAA. We put a $250,000 a year each in there. So we're putting a million dollars. We had $5 million when I walked in that room, but 15 was out of our, was out of it. But uh, it was fun doing that. Um, and I wish that we, we, we still have not gotten in there yet. And um, I don't know whether we were ever will or not, but we really worked hard to do that. But to be a part, I mean, you asked me to be a part of all that. I, I, I did a lot of that stuff and it was a lot of fun, man. And it was, uh, um, it was it was great to be be there and doing it. So, now, Jamie, I'm uh, I'm loving these stories, and uh, one of the things that you mentioned uh, after taking the lead in 1973 in doubles, uh, you talked about sweating it out to see if uh, your score was enough, which is a universal thing from 1973 to 2019. Every competitor has experienced that in their own way. Uh, you know, today, obviously, the technology, the live scoring. Uh, can all kind of keep folks up to date. What was, uh, you know, uh, you know, how did you kind of get your updates in 1973 as far as kind of who was hitting the lanes, you know, some, some big scores were shot, but didn't quite get to you. Uh, what was kind of the process like for you to find out uh, week by week, essentially towards the end to see if you guys were still leading? They were publicizing it. Uh, you know, I really can't remember how we did that, but we kept up with and, uh, uh, you know, it, it, the score, the scores were a lot lower then than they are now. I mean, I remember in, in 60, uh, I shot 714. It was in, it was in Toledo and my partner shot 600 with 1314 and, uh, 1321 won it. 1321. Oh, wow. And right now, 1321 does, I mean, it doesn't hardly get anything, you know? So, uh, it it was hard to uh, find to, to keep up with that. So uh, sweating it out was is it, it, part of the part of the game, man. Yeah, well, uh, a very sure special outcome. <laughs> yes, uh, to to be able to hold that eagle and, and to to own that forever. Uh, obviously, very special to you. Uh, now, of all the things that you've done and accomplished, and all the the bowling centers and the travel and and um, you know, the on the lanes, off the lanes. Uh, do you have a, a favorite? Is there a highlight, a moment, something that stands out more than anything else, something that you're most proud of 
in your 60 plus years in the bowling industry? The thing that I think I'm most proud of getting, I got uh, flowers for the living. And they give that, I was the 51st person they gave, I got that two years ago. And uh, it is a secret society. And I think it's eight people that get together uh, part of the industry and they pick a person that has done a lifetime of something. And if you read who's on that thing, it's amazing. And the other thing that, that, uh, that I thought was kind of neat is I got in the P I was there when they did the PBA when they started it. And I was too stupid not to go in the room. It was at the Masters. And I was bowling uh, in the Masters. And I, I didn't go in that room. I wish I, looking back, I wish I would have gone in there and have been a part of it when it started. But uh, uh, Don Carter uh, used to come to Houston. And you remember he had this glove. And he made that glove in Piedras Negras, which is on, uh, in Mexico, on, on the, across the Rio Grande from, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the town, but anyway, he would fly to Houston and have to spend the night. And, uh, and it was always on a Monday and we had a classic league at the stadium ball on Monday night. He'd come down and drink beer with us. Once a month, every month he'd come and drink beer. And he signed my application to go to get in the PDA. And when, uh, uh, when the, those guys in Seattle sold it, they gave, uh, to the Hall of Fame, all of that, all of that stuff. And Mike Albee went and, and he was going through in the very first box he opened up. And the very first thing was my application for the PBA in 1961 or something like that, signed by Don Carter. So uh, I, I got a picture of that and uh, I thought that was kind of neat. So, again, Jamie, the, all the stories, all the memories, uh, so awesome. Uh, I wish this could be a, an all-day show, uh, even starting with that painting behind you. Right from right from the minute you came on the screen, uh, we were looking forward to it and certainly looking forward to hearing more uh, when we see you again at the Open Championships for that 100000 uh, Before we bring in Mike Smith, just want to say once again, uh, thank you uh, for all that you do and, and hope that uh, things continue to stay well for, for you and your wife and, and results come back and, and uh, everybody's happy and healthy, of course. Um, and now 381 pins. And we're, we're trying to get you in there for uh, early March to, to get it going right away. Uh, I already predicted. I'm, I'm feeling uh, game two. It's going to happen. Uh, we're not going to waste any time. Uh, what are your thoughts on that before we bring in Mike to, to hear his thoughts on 100,000 and, and that moment itself? Let's see. I struggled the last few years with it because I don't have any speed. And if I got inside, um, I couldn't knock the 10 out. And if I got outside, if I, if I sent it to the right, it stayed to the right. I move over and square it up. It hooked past it up. And I just felt awful in, in, um, in, Fort, in uh, New York. That's where we won. So last year, I took a uh, urethane ball. And I like to tell everybody that's old, Get your urethane ball, and I stood in the middle of the 22nd, third era, and um, uh, I got lots of strikes. And um, uh, so uh, uh, I'm going to do that urethane ball deal again, and I, I'm going to get them, and I, I, I want to get 100 pins more than I did last year. Well, I can I like say 
matter of fact, of all the things I've seen at the Open Championships over the years, uh, some great moments, some great performances, uh, but there's just something about that 100,000-pin moment uh, and just watching it happen. And Aaron Smith was there, luckily, uh, to see Bill Lillard, who is, uh, I'm sure, a great friend of yours, uh, break the all-time pinfall record, uh, throwing a 12-pound plastic ball and, of course, uh, delivering a strike, pulling the string, the whole deal, uh, being the showman that he is. Um, just We love those moments. They're absolutely the best. Uh, and now we're going to bring in Mike Schmidt, who had one of those moments last year, uh, the crowd stopping, all bowling stops at that moment. We counted down. Uh, everybody knows it's going to happen, of course. Uh, and then all the pressure is on that gentleman to uh, to get up and deliver. But uh, wow, what a what a heart racing moment for us, even just watching. But uh, let's bring in Mike uh, and hear more about that. Mike, welcome. Hi, Hi how are you doing, guys? Jamie, uh, good luck next year. I uh, I uh, know the feeling. And uh, what I was thinking, if you uh, just work on those spares, and you'll be in fine. <laughs> so, uh, good luck with that. Thank you. All right. Mike, you came in to the 2019 event just over 1,200 pins away. So, uh, you know, a, a good number, but certainly doable uh, based on your career and your talent level over the 50-plus the years. Uh, but tell us about coming into the event. And this, of course, will serve as, as great advice perhaps for Jamie uh, as he gets closer to that moment in the preparation. And, uh, Mike, you're in the pro shop business and, and always around bowling and always preparing arsenals and helping other folks get ready for the events, but talk about your own preparation, knowing uh, that uh, that a score of just over 1,200 was going to get you another place in the Open Championships history books. Well, the thing about it is I was uh, uh, putting too much pressure on myself because I thought, what happens if I shoot the world record low all events and have to take heat from my buddies for another year? So I uh, I was uh, uh, working on my game. I, I being old, I, you know, as, as uh, we are, I uh, still work on my game a lot and. Uh, I didn't uh, shoot anything for minutes, but I just wanted to try to keep the ball in play, and like I said, get my spares, and that's uh, uh, that was able to get me in. When I, I was telling the guys here before we started that uh, I thought I needed 12.70, and uh, which I thought was uh, enough, and then when I got there, it turned out it was 12.10, which took a very small amount of heat off myself. So uh, I was able, like I said, to keep the ball in play, and I got it in the uh, I think in the seventh game. Well, and, and believe me, I was glad when it was over with. I wouldn't have to wouldn't have to take that embarrassment that I wouldn't have got it in all school. That was a before thrill. We talk, I'll tell you that. Before we talk too much about that day and 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 some of the stuff during your career, um, you know, any any thoughts for Jamie? Can you describe that moment, that final shot that got you over the the milestone number, uh, and just what it was like turning around and seeing the crowd and and just all the excitement that went with it. Well, the thing is, I don't ever look up when I'm bowling. I just uh, kind of keep my head down, and and uh, I uh, it turns out I needed a, a fill, I guess, to get the uh, to get it, and I uh, I got a strike. In fact, I think it was the first strike I had that game. I could be wrong, but uh, it was it was uh, pretty exciting. I let the thing go, and I thought that's going to be pretty close, <laughs> and I got it. I jumped up and I turned around and I I looked up, and uh, uh, some people there from uh, the Twin Cities, uh, and I didn't know about had pictures of me, uh, uh, my face, one smiling and one sticking my th tongue out, and they were waving these signs. I could not believe it. I thought, where did these guys come from? Where did they where did this come from? Was just, and then, and then, uh, Chip hands me, uh, you know, they had stopped, of course, the tournament, and, 
and Chip uh, asked me that crystal pin, and I'll tell you what, it was it was uh, one of the bigger thrills I've had. I've, had a, I've been fortunate to have a few thrills in the game, but I'll tell you what, that was that was really one of them. And then, uh, and then when you uh, when you look up on the, they have a chart that they were hanging up uh, this past year at least with all 100,000 guys, and I uh, my name's going to be up there among, and Jamie's will too, uh, among some of the you know the, the legends of the game. I I can't hardly believe that my name could be. Uh, that close to theirs, uh, it was, it's just a, a thrill. I've been uh, uh, very, very blessed as Jamie has too to be able to bowl all these years. Um, before I, uh, a couple years ago, uh, one of my teammates, I wasn't keeping track at all, believe it or not, because I thought it was so far in the future, but time goes so fast. And uh, one of my teammates uh, said, Mike, you got a shot at 100,000. I said, oh, you can't hardly believe that. And then uh, he he started doing the countdown, and and, uh, and all of a sudden it's uh, it's time to take a shot at it. It's very very exciting, as, as Jamie knows. <laughs> It'll be very cool, Jamie. So uh, good for you. All right. Well, now, Mike, our, our associate at the Open Championships, Daniel Ferris, kind of describes that moment uh, for him as the moment that it all really clicked for him as a first year. Uh, employee at the event and starting to really understand the history of the tournament. Uh, some things you can't teach, but it was that moment. He was on the video uh, taking the highlights uh, of your accomplishment from one aspect. I was over on the other side. Uh, that's when it clicked for him. Just what a special event the Open Championships is and how prestigious some of these milestones are. Uh, and now we have a video clip uh, of that moment to share with Jamie. And uh, of course, for you to reminisce a little bit uh, before we let Jamie go. There's the crowd coming. So in case you didn't catch that, that was the 23rd bowler in history. Uh, the event, of course, kicking off in 1901. So nearly 120 years of competition, 23 bowlers. Uh, and you're on that list. The crystal pin. Uh, describe that moment to us of the strike, of course. Uh, nothing better than delivering uh, in that moment. Uh, but turning around, seeing the crowd. Um, now that you've seen it, you lived it back just for a minute. Uh, how's that feel? It was bringing tears to my eyes. I, uh, one of my, uh, one of my buddies that bowls with us, we, I take a number of teams, uh, uh, Bob Teeters, uh, from, uh, Indiana. He had a, uh, he got a hundred thousand a couple years ago. And when they stopped that thing, I started crying and I didn't even give it a thought to myself that someday uh, at that point, it was a couple years ago, five or six years ago, that I would, that I would have a chance to do it it's just it's uh, extremely emotional when you uh, when you think of uh, well somebody told me that two million people have bowled that uh, tournament and and to be uh, you know 23rd i don't know uh, how it could be that blessed it's just uh, it's just an incredibly amazing feeling i have a 
here, right here. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, Jamie, it's going to be very, very cool. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> uh, Jamie, seeing that, knowing that that's uh, minimum two games away, um, how do you feel seeing all that happen? And, and now, um, you know, what are your expectations for, for your, your moment in the spotlight there? All righty. Good for you. All right. Well, Jamie, before we let you go, and uh, again, we appreciate you joining us today, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. But uh, any advice from Mike as he gets ready now? Uh, next time we see him, he'll be talking to us about number 60. It'll be his 59th appearance. Uh, we'll do all the all the things we do, the paperwork, the interview, the photo. Uh, he'll get his picture on the wall once again for that 60 milestone. Uh, but can you, can you share with him the thoughts, the feelings of the anticipation, and then, of course, that special march to the lanes, uh, which you got to share, you know, with your wife and, and the presentation and just uh, being able to address the crowd when you're really realizing that six decades at the Open Championships, that is a phenomenal accomplishment in itself. You know, uh, it's cool, man. And I, I, it's hard to believe that I, I, I bowled that many. And only 20, I was the 27th one, I think, that did it. So just think about that. I think there's more than two million people that bowl in that, that thing. Just uh, and, and where we both stand in, in that thing, it is amazing. It doesn't happen to you, but it's great. Well, very short list in both regards. Uh, awesome, awesome to be a part of, uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, to the next milestone with you, uh, Aaron. Any final thoughts for Jamie before we let him uh, go uh, hang out with the wife a little bit and relax? Jamie, just a big thank you for joining us. Uh, as Matt mentioned earlier in the show, uh, we love being able to go to your centers uh, here in the DFW area. So once again, thank you for all you do for the sport. And of course, uh, you know, we're going to definitely be looking forward to, uh, you know, coming up in a few months, uh, seeing that crystal pin celebration. Hopefully it's just as exciting as, as Mike's and we get that, that big moment uh, just getting ready to, to see that, you know, I, I watched Mike's video. I wasn't even there. I get goosebumps watching it. Uh, so it's uh, it's pretty awesome. So thank you for joining us. And thank you just for your dedication to the Open Championships and dedication to the great sport of bowling, sir. Thank you. And y'all are so cool the way you take care of the people uh, that have been there a long time. It's amazing. Thank you for that. Well, thank you for the kind words. And uh, we've got your crystal pin waiting for you. Hopefully you got a place cleaned off for it. Uh, Jamie Brooks. 1973 regular doubles champ on the verge of a hundred thousand pins. We'll talk to you soon, sir. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. All right, Mr. Smith, the, uh, the, the floor is yours. Now we're going to recap your great career at the open championships. Uh, again, we saw the hundred thousand pins. That is a phenomenal feat. And you are a celebrity in Minnesota. I don't know how many folks come and mention or send a note, or as you can see in our chat, uh, all the congratulations and, and Mike's my hero and he's a stallion and all those great things. And, uh, you know, you've served the, the Minnesota bowling community uh, for so long uh, in the pro shop area. Jamie, of course, in the proprietor side of things. Um, but uh, to become such a legend in the area and then to, to back it up with these accomplishments. Uh, tell us what that means to you and, and kind of your place, your role uh, in the Minnesota bowling community. Well, I, uh, those are awful kind words. Thank you. I, I've never really looked at myself like that, truly. I've been in the game, uh, and when I was a, when I was a kid, I, uh, like every other kid, I wanted to be, make the major leagues as a baseball player. And after I 
discovered that I wasn't going to do that. I, I uh, got involved in bowling uh, early when I was about 11. And uh, yeah, my mom took me downstairs at the YMCA and we turned the corner. She's, oh, look, you can learn how to bowl too. That's basically been my whole life. Um, I uh, started practicing my, you know, I practiced a huge amount of one, one stretch. I bowled every day for over a year. And I joined immensely when I was 15. And then uh, I, uh, like I said, I kept practicing and I bowled some tournaments and things. And then I wanted to get in the PBA and I, I was way, you know, too young and not good enough, but I wanted to do it anyway. So when I was uh, 19, I joined the PBA in, in 1961 and I, I actually cashed my first two tournaments. And then and when I was uh, the second tournament, I was sitting in the paddock in Chicago with this other young kid. And I asked him, I said, what do you do for a living? And, and he said, uh, have a pro shop. I said, what's that? Because in those days, there was only freestanding stores. And I, and I thought, well, if I if I have a pro shop, now I can, uh, I can go on the tour of my own business. I can go on the tour whenever I want to. Wrong. So uh, I actually did start the pro shop in 19, uh, February 1962. So I've been in the business, uh, I think this will be my 59th season. And I, uh, uh, to tell you the truth, I, I still can't wait to get to work a lot of days. I have a uh, 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 two or three people who work for me. My right-hand man is also Mike. He's been with me over 50 years. I don't really know uh, any, uh, I mean, I don't know of anybody that's worked side-by-side side without killing one another for 50 years, although we fight about every 15 minutes. But he's he's a wonderful guy, and he's uh, been a huge support. Um, so uh, we have uh, uh, we have a trophy business and sporting goods, too, that goes with it. But um, uh, I bowled a few tournaments on the tour when I was uh, uh in 62 and in 63, but I just didn't, I just I didn't do that well then. And I also, uh, of course, didn't have enough money to really go. Um, uh, Jamie mentioned uh, Don Carter. I was able, I was uh, uh, fortunate enough to bowl in those days, of course, Carter and Weber and Luth and all those guys were on the tour. I've had a couple of the most embarrassing moments in the game uh, uh, with those guys, for example, and uh, I think it was in 65 or 64 in St. Paul, they had a tournament in St. Paul, of course, where my pro shop is. And uh, halfway through the tournament, uh, I'm in the bathroom where and, uh, I think it was Salvino and uh, Bluth walked in and they said, boy, I'll tell you what, if, if a guy can't hit this place, he's really in trouble. And at that time, I was dead last in the field. So uh, I, uh, I uh, had my ego kind of shredded right there. But uh, as far as the ABC goes of the USBC, we, we started in, uh, in 1961. And I missed once, I missed in 64 because they didn't have a team to go with. Uh, but it's, be, it's been a highlight of the season basically for years for me. And then uh, in the last number of years, we used to have uh, two teams that went and, and one of the guys, uh, one of my friends uh, organized everything and paid for everything and then we paid him back and on and on. But now um, I've uh, uh, kind of taken that thing over and I'm bringing uh, quite a number of teams because um, I'd like to try to get people that have no opportunity to bowl it as far as they can't get a five-man team or they can't, their buddies don't want to go old, this and that, but they like to try it. So I put uh, a bunch of people together. Of course, there's a number of teams that are organized to go with me, but uh, we try to get these people to give them a chance to uh, to bowl because if you like to bowl, I mean, if you're a tournament bowler, you like to bowl, you've got to bowl the national tournament. It's a chance to bowl against uh, the best in the country and, and uh, uh, travel around a bit, and it's, uh, it's just a really cool deal. So that's really why we do it. Well, we know it's not easy to be a team captain, uh, especially collecting money from all those folks and, and doing all the things necessary. So we, we appreciate all that hard work too. And still being able to focus and uh, and go out there and average 190 for six decades and and, and do some of the things you've done. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. And uh, oh. coming from where you do, 
Uh, some phenomenal bowlers coming from the, the Minneapolis area, of course. Uh, you've got the going back to the 60s and 70s, the, the likes of Glenn Olson and, oh, yeah. uh, and the Minnesota Loons and Sam Lanto and Todd Savoy and, of course, now Matt McNeil. Uh, some great, terrific names. Scott Cole, another one. Um, oh. But, wow, what was it uh, that, that got you personally uh, involved? You said 1961 in Detroit was your debut Again, some great bowlers and great bowlers along the way. Probably very motivating to uh, to want to be able to to keep up with each other. Uh, but talk about the start going joining the OC for the first time and, and what kept you coming back. I just thought it was just really a thrill to, to do it. I thought it was really cool that they build the lanes in an in an auditorium every year. It's not in a bowling lane, and people don't realize that they don't bowl it. And uh, it's just the, the pageantry and the whole works. I just I thought it was just very cool. And again, you, you uh, get a chance once in a while to see some of the pros, which you know uh, you don't get to see them except on TV, unless of course you're going on the tour. And um, a number of those people you just mentioned, uh, I don't mean to throw names around, but I know every one of those people, and, and I like to consider my friends, uh, Sam Lano and I. In fact, uh, just uh, Sam's in the National Hall, and. Uh, him and I, uh, he he uh, was good enough to ask me to go with him to, uh, uh, to this tournament they have in Costa Rica in October. So the last couple of years we've gone down there. They, I was going to go this year too, but I understand they just canceled it. But um, I'm I'm uh, privileged and honored to, to be able to call uh, those, some of those people who mentioned my friends because those guys are really shooters. Uh, some years back, Bill Taylor, one of the gurus from the tour, we were, he was in the Twin Cities for uh, some some event and. Uh, he didn't know me, but care less. And, and uh, we were all, but we were all standing around talking. There's a number of us, and he, he said to to all of us, he says, you know, he says, uh, people think the best bowlers in the country are in Detroit or Chicago. He says they're, he says they're right here in Minnesota, and we have a number of people that are in the National Hall of Fame uh, from the Twin Cities and, and that have won uh, uh, Eagles, uh, uh, Loons, uh, a number of times, and and, and uh, Sam Lanowitz and and uh, Todd Savoy, those those guys you mentioned, and of course that tremendous Matt McNeil. Um, uh, it's just been a privilege to just be able to associate with and bowl with those guys. It's just, uh, it's just, this is just a cool game period. You get to be lifetime friends. I know it's, it's like a cliche, but it's absolute truth. Uh, and I've had a number of guys that have actually over the years quit the game and they stop in the chop here and there once in a while. And, and they say, you know, I, I don't uh, really care if I bowl anymore, but I, you know, my game's not what it should be, but I sure miss the guys. Just a part, cool part of the game. All right. Well, now, Mike, before we talk about number 60 right around the corner and, uh, and you know, what's going on in Minnesota right now, we want to throw it back to your 50th Open Championships appearance back in 2011. There you are, center aisle, with one of Minnesota's finest. That is Kevin Olson, longtime uh, registration manager at the Open Championships. Uh, Glenn Olson was his father, uh, but there's a, a special trip down center aisle for you, no doubt. Uh, and then, of course, what an event you had in 2011. Just uh, tell us about that milestone, that moment, seeing that award and that plaque and what it means to you. And then we'll talk about your performance on the lanes that year as well. Well, the, uh, when that 50th came up, the same thing as before I came, the time goes so incredibly fast. I couldn't even believe it. I look up and, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a, I got my 50th. And then, uh, Kevin's a, a good friend of mine. His dad, I knew, I knew, uh, uh Glenn before I knew uh, Kevin. In fact, to tell you the truth, Kevin sent me a note here just before we started the show that uh, about being on it and uh, mentioning, of course, we won't be able to see one another until next year now because he just canceled the tournament. But, but uh, I thought it was very cool because uh, Kevin uh, had told me before we uh, marched down the aisle that he wanted to present the plaque, and I was uh, I thought that was 
I was just honored that uh, you know they that he would uh, consider doing that. And so we remained. Uh, I knew him well before that, but of course his dad, like I said, I, I Kevin was just probably wasn't even born. <laughs> I know he wasn't born when I first started dealing with his dad. His dad had a over bowling supply, it was called. And when I was uh, when I first started my shop, uh, on a, believe me, on a on a with uh, seven hundred dollars that my dad borrowed on a, an insurance policy. I, uh, uh, when I used to go, uh, uh, there wasn't any big distributors at the time. I mean, it was, the game was different and the business was different, obviously. And so I'd go over to his dad at a, a, a freestanding store in Minneapolis. And that's how I met Glenn. And then of course, I, uh, Glenn was a star in the Twin Cities anyway. And then we got to be buddies too. So, uh, yeah, uh, so Kevin and, and Glenn and I go back a long way. And it was, again, it was an honor to have, uh, I was thrilled in fact that Kevin wanted to present the plaque. Well, now that year, 2011, uh, you know, you, you made a run uh, at perfection. All those years into your career, uh, proving that you still had it. Front 11 at the Open Championships, that's a question that we often ask people just, uh, just to see what their answers will be. Front 11 at the OC, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Uh, you got to experience that at your 50th event. Uh, wow, what, a, what an entrance into the 50-year club. Tell us about that game during singles uh, and what happened there on the final shot. Well, we had uh, well, Matt McNeil is about six pair over, and he's just murdering them, so everybody's paying attention to him. Nobody's paying attention to me, which was fine with me, because as you know, they uh, uh, you may not know it at that time when you had uh, the front eight, they uh, turned the stripes to, to red instead of uh, the color they were yellow or whatever. So. But I'm thinking, I'm sitting there in the eighth or ninth frame, and I look up and I see that string up there, and I thought to myself, you know, he says, this is what you live for. This is what you dream about. This is so cool. And I got uh, the first two in the tenth, and, and I pulled this last one just a little bit. I could have tripped the four, but I left the four seven. It would have been a, a fairly lucky strike, though, and, and I really wouldn't earn it. But, but then, and I uh, uh, I finished with 729, and I uh, that was the first game, and, and I that was – and one of the things I'll obviously never, ever forget, that was a, a tremendous thrill to do that. In fact, I, I kind of had to pinch myself because I always dreamed about shooting a three in the ABC because a number of my friends from the Twin Cities have done that. And uh, But then again, and I thought, well, Mike, you know, you did this in your in your 50th. That's pretty cool. So one milestone and, and almost another and a career high in singles 50 years in. That's going to be pretty motivating to, to keep going. Uh, still a young guy. so. Uh, plenty of time to get to 71. Of course, the, the one-year delay now uh, with 59 coming up, we'll, uh, we'll get ready for number 60. Uh, but can you put all of those milestones and potential milestones into perspective? Uh, what it means to you, of course, I just missed the 300, haven't had a chance to, to win an Eagle yet, uh, but some amazing uh, career highlights for you at the Open Championships, and, and you're a bit of a, a legend uh, in a way as well. So uh, can you sum it all up and, and what it means to be a part of it all? Well, again, it's it's uh, a national stage, and that's uh, and I always try to, you know, I, the reason I wanted the tour when I was a kid, I wanted to measure myself against the best, and I think I was the best. I just wanted to see how I would stand up, and and you know, and uh, so the the USBCs are obviously the national stage, and that's another way that you can have a rough idea of, uh, of how you stand with uh, with some of the best, that, you know, and uh, I had. Uh, my first big thrill in that thing was in 1970. I led the all event for three year, for three weeks uh, in 1999. I ended up tied for second. That thing, well, that deal allowed me to uh, 
Uh, I got a chance to be the uh, U.S. representative for the term of Americas in 1970, only because Mike Berlin who beat me. Uh, he shot 2004, and he told me, I don't I don't know Mike that well, but I have talked to him. Uh, he's bowled a couple of our tournaments we had in the Clinton area. He said he beat me with a nose hit, which is still okay because it's part of the game. But uh, he didn't want to go for some reason. Uh, he, he had the first shot at this uh, tournament of Americas. was in Miami, from, uh, uh, Western Hemisphere. So I was able to bowl that, and then because of the finish um, in, the, uh, in the all events, I, I had a, a opportunity to make the, um, uh, the to qualify for Team USA uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and I made it. Uh, they took eight guys. Uh, they took nine guys, and I was ninth. That's that uh, last game was the 20, 20 or twenty-eight game qualifying over a few period, a period of days. Uh, the uh, last game to most pressure ever bowled under at two hundred two, and I was I finished seventh, and and then because we done, we were done early, and then. Uh, Bob Benson from the Twin Cities here uh, picked up the baby split to knock me to eighth, and John Handigard uh, shot 299 and knocked me to ninth, but I made the game. But, uh, that was uh, another one of the very big thrills I've had in this game. I've, the game has been uh, has been very, very good to me and very rewarding. Uh, of course, we're not going over the all the uh, the terrible things I've done in the game and the low lights, but uh, it's part of the game. But um, the uh, we also had in the, in the 80s. Uh, in the team event, um, we had uh, we shot 1194, and at that time uh, it was the third highest team game ever shot. We ended up ninth, I think, uh, in that event. So, uh, and then I have a, a long time doubles partner. He's retired now from the uh, from the tournament. Uh, him and I had uh, 1365 in the doubles one year, but I don't remember. I don't think I was in the top ten, but it was close. So I've had uh, and I've had a couple other things in, a, in the tournament. So I have. A huge amount of good memories. I'm, I'm extremely blessed, and sometimes I don't I don't know why uh, uh, I was allowed to do what we got to do. But uh, it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful run. I'll tell you that. And, and one more time, that uh, the tournaments it's generally the highlight of the year uh, for me, and I think for a lot of my friends. Mike, I've uh, really enjoyed uh, these stories from you, and uh, we were talking about Kevin Olson. He actually stopped in the chat to say hello. So. And a big congratulations from Kevin. So, Ko, thanks for stopping by. We hope you're doing well as well. Um, you know, one of the cool things about the story, uh, you know, being part of the tournament is obviously getting to see the stuff that happens beyond the lanes. And Matt told me one of the craziest, funniest stories uh, that happened last year after you got 100,000 pins that he was walking around South Point and all of a sudden he saw a guy looking for just looking to put his stuff away for the day. So, Matt, uh I'll let you tell that story since you were the one who was there for it. But uh, I know we got that photo saved up too. Well, I will say first, uh, we did save one of the Mike Smith masks or the, the, the heads on a stick as well. <laughs> we used that in one of our, uh, our videos later on that day. Uh, and I believe we still have it in the file cabinet uh, at the open championship. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll get to see that again soon. And that was, uh, that was a lot of fun being a part of that. Uh, but I think we took so long with the interviews that day. It's uh, all of these folks you mentioned, all of the folks in the video earlier, they left you there. They just left. They took off. Uh, and I was walking around, as Aaron said, uh, and I saw you standing by yourself at the token machine. The guy gets 100,000 pins, spends almost 60 years of his life at the Open Championships, organizes these teams and all the hard work and gets their equipment ready for the event. And they make the guy buy his own locker token. Uh, we took care of you, of course. We gave you your $5 back, but... Uh, but wow, tell, tell us about that moment if you can. And then when you turn around and realize that, uh, it was just you, me and Daniel and everybody else had already left. 
<laughs> well, those are, I think we could probably call those guys fairweather friends. How's that? <laughs> I'm blessed to have a lot of friends. I mean, really, I, I just sometimes wonder why I would, would deserve it. I, but like I said, I, I don't mean to keep repeating it, but, but I am blessed. I had no clue that those guys would have those pictures up there. In fact, some of the guys that organized that, I, think, I didn't even think it liked me that much. <laughs> that yeah, it was, uh, it was an event that obviously I will never, ever forget. And I want to thank all the people who helped uh, organize it and did whatever. So thank you, guys. That was uh, awesome to be a part of. Uh, and now you mentioned all of your folks from back home in Minnesota, uh, of course, your pro shop business. Uh, but in these crazy times, uh, you probably haven't gotten to see those people very much and haven't had a chance to do too much bowling. But uh, how are things in Minnesota right now, we know uh, Matt McNeil fled the state for a minute there. He was uh, he was down in Florida, uh, kind of escaping the the chaos in Minnesota. But uh, what are things like there for you uh, as we kind of get ready to open up and get back on the lanes, and as you were potentially preparing for the 2020 Open Championships? Well, we uh, I, I'm in a uh, wonderful bowling lanes, uh, 36 lane center where my pro shop is, and they were. Obviously, been closed since March, although they were allowed to open for uh, takeout. They have a wonderful restaurant. In fact, one of the best restaurants I've ever been in a bowling lanes, bowling center. So they did uh, work there. And my pro shop, of course, is in the lanes. But we have a, our trophy business is in the basement. And uh, so during the closing, I uh, would go in there because I had uh, several, uh, the number of customers that just have a regular deal, just like they, they call me and say, just give me the same thing as I did last year on some of the, the small events not anything like normal business. So I was in there uh, three or four days a week anyway. And then uh, they uh, uh, let the employees, they, they had to cut their staff back, obviously, but they let their employees throw a few shots. And so uh, uh, on a one or two days, uh, I think it's probably only three times, I threw a, a, some practice because I wanted to try to remember how to do it if I could. And uh, then the, the lanes have opened up now on a small scale and uh, we don't know what, what the situation is going to be in, in uh, Twin Cities for at least in the fall. Right now, they have uh, this center has a uh, uh, three-man, a real strong league that they have on Thursday night at Summer League. And uh, I don't know if they're wearing masks. I haven't been bowling, and they bowl six games a night. And I like to be in the summertime. I like to be outside at night, so uh, I, I haven't bowled in it. But as far as our business goes, of course, the business is uh, there was no bowling business at all for those months. And then uh, now we have just a little bit, of course, in summer in Minnesota, there's not much going on anyway. So our trophy business uh, uh, keeps us going through the winter, through the summer. Uh, all of that now, this time, uh, because of the situation, is way, way down because so many events have been canceled. So uh, uh, I'm, uh, uh, we're not actually in terrible shape, because I'm happy to say I had a lot of my inventory paid for. So we're just, uh, we're keeping our 50-year 50 50 man on. The payroll and a couple of the other guys were laid off and they're, they're collecting unemployment so things open up again well we certainly hope things continue to improve and uh, and open back up and now that we know we're not going to see you in 2020 we look ahead toward 2021 um again you're you're a young guy um and as you look ahead in your open championships career uh, minus having to skip a year here um what are some of the goals that you have is is 71 uh, a, a realistic goal for you at this point? Is that something you're aiming for? Is the, the pinfall, the career pinfall lead something that you're, uh, that you're hoping to challenge as well? Well, the thing is, I, to tell you the truth, I'm very definitely looking at the 71 because uh, another thing uh, uh, that Bob Teters that goes with us from Indiana is my age. And 
I'm 78, and he uh, uh, he's got I think he's got 64, 65 coming up, so he has a real shot at, at being the uh, uh, the all-time uh, leader in tournaments. But I definitely have uh, done the math a million times in my head of how old I'd be if I kept holding every tournament <laughs> to take a shot at that to uh, take a shot at uh, the record. And then also, uh, as a matter of fact, I told Judy the other night that I was doing the math in my head trying to figure out what I'd have to shoot to, to get 124,000 because I think that's what uh, Lewis mm -hmm. got. Uh, it's been very daunting. I, <laughs> like I said, though, I do work on my game, and I'm happy to say I still, I still, my average is still okay, uh, and I do within reason at some of the tournaments. Uh, of course, with the, with the high scores, you know, your average is all relative. But uh, uh, but I do, uh, as I repeated, uh, I do work on my game as much as I ever did, really. I practiced, uh, I bowled one league, but I practiced uh, two or three times uh, a week. And then um, we have this uh, uh, senior organization around the, uh, the state. We have once a tournament a month, I bowl every one of those. Of course, we don't have them in the summer. But uh, definitely in my mind, I would really like to hear, take a shot at the 71 what happens well aaron actually mentioned yesterday he asked about robert teeters um knowing that he was a, a young guy as well and uh when i first met bob it was uh his 50th year he was uh, 63 years old so of course uh, based on simple math when he hit 60 he was uh, 73 years old so started the event uh, on the cusp there of 12 13 um so very realistic of course and of course that record shared at 71 years by three terrific, outstanding bowlers, yeah. one of whom uh, was mentioned earlier as a, a Minnesota standout, Sylvester Thiel. Uh, but what a special number. What a special uh, group of guys and, and milestones. And, and now you're right there as a part of it. Uh, but uh, now that you have a few more months and some time to, to get ready for the next step in your career, uh, what is Mike Smith going to be doing to, to enjoy what Minnesota has to offer in the summer? The land of 10,000 lakes, right? There's uh, there's plenty to do out there. But uh, when you're not making trophies and drilling bowling balls, uh, what keeps you busy and how are you going to spend this extra time that you have now that you don't have to go out and practice? Well, I have uh, I, I have lots of interest, and I've uh, been doing a lot of carpentry. I, I build things. I Since we had the COVID thing, I put four, I added four feet to our deck, and I put I changed the railing. I put 42 feet of railing on it. And uh, now we're going to build, uh, we're going to uh, make the uh, garage bigger. So we have one and a half car garage, but uh, don't build. I'm, uh, I'm not about racing. I drove a race car for a road race for uh, 15 years. And I raced on the ice uh, when I'm in my 60s. Well, I still, uh, I have this uh, race car that's down to the, to the cat, just down to the cage. It's sitting in a barn in Menominee, Wisconsin, because I don't have any place to work on it. So we're making the garage bigger starting next week. And, and the Judy's giving me exactly one year to get work on that car and get it out of there, and she's buying a stopwatch. Instead. So uh, I have a huge amount of interest, truly. I'm you know, helping my son build another deck and a, uh, and a screen porch for his for his uh, hot tub, etc. So I'm very busy. Aaron, I think you might agree that as much time as we spend with uh, all of these great bowlers, a lot of the times we're just talking specifically about high scores and milestones. Uh, but now the opportunity to, to sit down sometimes, and especially on these podcasts, to, to hear what else is going on, what these guys are all about off the lanes and behind the scenes, and um, any thoughts there, and just getting to getting to do that. Even when we get to do it at the tournament site, uh, you know, in the midst of some chaos and excitement, uh, you know, when they come and visit and you kick back and, and you hear these stories, uh, that's what makes this so special. 100%, Matt. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is the part of the job for me where – I, I like to throw out a few questions, sit back, and just listen to the awesome stories. So 
Uh, you know, I, I think the interesting thing about our guest today, you know, Jamie is, uh, you know, I think he said over 60 centers he's owned over the course of his career. Uh, Mike's been in the pro shop business for so long. I, I think that's, you know, j just the love and dedication to the sport is what really, you know, for guys who've been working in it now 10, 15 years, uh, you know, we're, we're just pups compared to you guys and in, uh, in the time you've given to the sport. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you guys really set the stage for us moving forward and folks who want to, you know, spend their lives and give it to the sport. Uh, so, you know, for us, it's, it's always an absolute treat just to uh, to hear the stories, hear the hear the good, hear, you know, there's bad in there, too. There's struggles along the way. But, yeah. uh, you know, you guys are, uh, you know, definitely our favorites to see each year at the tournament, uh, you know, competing, telling stories, having a good time and really showing what the tournament is all about. So. You know, for that, we, we just owe you guys a big thank you because you guys are the, the inspiration for us and what makes us really, uh, you know, excited to go to work each and every day. You know, thank you very much. It's very humbling to, to hear that. I, I never thought it was any kind of an inspiration or anything to anybody, but uh, we just, you know, we just do our thing and see what happens. And uh, we certainly appreciate what, what you guys do for the game, too, having a podcast like this. I mean, to try to, to keep everybody interested, especially in this with this time when we can't bowl as much as we want to. Um, you guys do a great job. I appreciate that. Well, thank you, sir. Mike, thank you for the kind words. Thank you for joining us today on our, our milestone edition of the OC Podcast. This is episode number 25, and what a fun ride it's been. And we're nowhere near done yet. And the, uh, the Open Championships may be not happening here in 2020, but uh, we're going to get ready and amped up for 2021. A lot of great stories to tell still. Some milestones on the horizon, as we discussed. Jamie Brooks, just 381 pins away from 100,000. Uh, and we look forward to bringing you all of those highlights uh, on the Open Championships Facebook page, Bull.com, here on Bull TV. Uh, and we appreciate, of course, everybody tuning in, as always, to Inside the OC. You can catch Aaron Smith on the PWBA podcast twice a week, Mondays and Wednesdays on Bull TV and on all of our social media channels. And keep an eye on the Bull TV schedule for all the other great content from Mr. Smith and Jason Thomas as well. Some cool shows, uh, throwback Thursdays and such. A lot of great stuff there to celebrate the history of the sport. And uh, we do appreciate Mike Schmidt and Jamie Brooks and the opportunity to be a part of those great milestones at the Open Championships. Mike, number 60, right around the corner. You'll be back in the spotlight again. We're going to go watch that 100,000 video again. That was awesome. We're going to just... Remember those moments, and uh, when things get crazy, we turn those moments on, and uh, it's a phenomenal goosebump feeling, as Aaron described earlier. So thank you for joining us today. And again, folks, thank you for joining us here on Inside the OC. I think that's going to do it. And uh, and as you know, that's the news for now. We'll see you right, in the Thanks later. for having me, gang. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.